Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Mr. Nolan Yeager Lloyd received his bachelor's degree in music education from the University of North Texas and his master's degree in educational leadership from Stephen F. Austin State University. He currently serves as a Director of Fine Arts in Round Rock ISD and previously served as the Assistant Director of Instrumental Music for Round Rock ISD in Texas. Throughout his educational career, bands and orchestras under Mr. Lloyd's direction have received consistent superior ratings in Texas University Interscholastic League concert and sight-reading evaluations. Complementary to these achievements, the Suttler Shield-nominated programs under his direction have been consistently successful in several marching events, including Bands of America Regionals, Super Regionals, and University Interscholastic League state competitions. Mr. Lloyd continues his professional impact by serving as a nationally recognized adjudicator, clinician, and conductor, appearing at the Midwest Band and Orchestra Clinic, Music for All Summer Symposium, Texas Music Educators Association Conference, Missouri Music Educators Conference, and many Bands of America regional, super regional, and national events. Most recently, he has been selected as a staff member of the Bands of America Honor Band in the 2022 Rose Parade. Mr. Lloyd is grateful for the opportunity to continue to share his experiences and perspectives with educators, students, and community members who are passionate about personal growth, student achievement, and leadership. It is my pleasure for this week's episode of the podcast to welcome Jaeger Lloyd from the Round Rock ISD in Texas. And for those of you who are not familiar where Round Rock is, it's it's a couple of miles north of Austin, Texas, so kind of central Texas. Jaeger, thank you very much. Uh, the last time I saw you in real life was uh, somewhere in a, like a coffee shop outside, yeah. <laughs> right outside of your school. So yeah. uh, it's good to finally chat with you. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on and, and be staying patient with us as we're going through all these changes here in Renark ISD. Yeah, I, I, I get it. So um, I'm thrilled that we're talking with you. I don't know if, uh, well, um, before you, before I knew you, um, Jim Van Zant and Lisa Roebuck uh, were one of the very first set of music teachers to adopt Music First way back in 2014. Uh, across the district for Round Rock. So we, we love Round Rock at Music First. Um, but before we dive into what you're doing there, what that district is like, what it's like to be a fine arts director at such a large ISD, I would love to find out more about you. And, and in the podcast, it, it really helps um, our listeners. I think they enjoy listening to the career path about how you went, you know, from high school saying I might want to do this to uh, being a fine arts director at a huge ISD. So if you can give us like the five, 10 minute um, tour of, of how you got to where you are now, that'd be great, Jaeger. Of course, of course. And I, I will uh, reiterate what you said about the might want to do this. <laughs> when I started out um, and I went to high school in Houston, Texas, I went to Westfield High School um, and my director was Philip Geiger. Many people 
who use music first probably know who he is because um, yep. of music technology, right? Um, and I did not want to go to college for music. I actually was going to college for art and ended up changing my major and continued through music. I'm a bassoon player. So um, there was a lot of reed making in my yep. <laughs> college career. I ended up going to the University of North Texas. And while I was there, I just kind of really fell in love with music making, especially being with Eugene Corporan and his ensemble. Oh, wow. And a lot of the things that I learned there really inform how I think about music today and how I go about teaching. Uh, when I graduated from the University of North Texas, I ended up going back to Houston and taught at Westwood High School. Oh, wow. I went gone to school. Yeah. Um, I, I stayed there for a little while. And while I was there, I ended up getting my master's in uh, administration. While that may not seem too um, musical, it actually really does help you advocate for your programs. It really helps you uh, be a better manager. And I was an assistant director at the time at Westwood High School, but I was fortunate enough to be able to move to Austin, Texas, where I am now, obviously in, in the Round Rock area, to be the director of band at Cedar Ridge High School. Um, oh, and I, will, I, yeah, I attribute my, my mom, obviously, and my administrative degree and all my experience with Westwood High School and in North Texas to anything that I was able to accomplish there. I had a great team there, um, had a great short but great career there. And because of my administrative degree, I was able to apply to be the assistant director of fine arts, which uh, is when we first met, actually. Oh, that's right. And right. And I was over instrumental music. So I did a band and orchestra. And while we we're doing band and orchestra, um, I, I just kind of grew in that administrative mindset and got to do a lot more speaking, a lot more judging, adjudication, and broaden my perspective on arts education in general. I got a couple of mentors along the way and found that uh, my, like you said, uh, Lisa Roebuck, my predecessor, uh, was retiring. So uh, <laughs> I applied for the gig and here I am. And I could have, I, I am incredibly blessed to be here. I would have never thought that I would have uh, been a director of fine arts at this point in my life, um, or maybe even any part of my life. I just, I've had incredible mentors and experiences that I just happen to be in the right place at the right time and decided to prepare properly, you know? Oh, so yeah. that's, that's the general arc of my career. And I, I hope to continue it and with the, with the mentors and guidance that I've gotten from others as well. No, I, I appreciate uh, what you've said very much, Jaeger. And, and I think that what a lot of music teachers don't realize, and I, I got my doctorate while I was a middle school band director, but then also wow. got my supervisory certificate in New Jersey because I said, well, I, you know, I want to do, hey, I might want to do something more. And I think a lot of music teachers, and I mean, 90% of them would be amazing administrators um, okay. because unlike any other subject in my humble opinion perhaps only the exception of uh, phys ed which is another um uh, another subject area where a lot of administrators come from it's because we have to do so much organization so many it, it's it's a crazy job especially being a high school band director at a competitive high school wherever yes. you are in texas specifically you have to be a um uh, like a, a ringmaster of a three ring circus to be able yes. to function even, uh, you know, not even function well, just to function. And when I joined the corporate world, I found that most of my skills as a middle school band director translated really nicely to being an administrator. And I'm, I just wonder what you thought about like that, the idea of music teachers just naturally being good administrators. 
Yeah, I think the there's a, a definite natural connection. I, I mean, we always, you know, every every band director goes through the process where they the first couple years, maybe maybe the first couple of weeks, they're writing down every single detail of their lesson plan and how to scaffold the learning and what's happening tomorrow or the next hour. And our, our minds are constantly thinking about the 12 instruments that are sitting in front of us and how to best reach um, those students and give them proper instruction. Now, I'll say in a, because it's, it's a mixed classroom, mixed ability, mixed instrumentation, we have to think of so many elements that that sort of idea transfers to you're just staying in the hallway and watching kids and you have to figure out how to get each kid to the class. Something as simple as that, yep. people notice that your brain functions in the same way. And when you're looking at, like I am now looking at multiple programs, you start to see, okay, here's what this program needs because you understand the process of um, receiving information, providing feedback in a very real-time fashion, that that's not something that happens for most regular teachers and, you know, in their regular ed classroom, they don't have to give that feedback so immediately. So I think those are definitely skills that, that matter. And then from an organizational standpoint, let's just take any trip, like yep. <laughs> any trip, <laughs> will give you, uh, well, a headache for sure sometimes, right. but you're having to organize so many parts and work with so many departments, uh, logistical information, encourage and initiate people who have no idea what you're trying to get them to do to create this experience for students. And I think that's all educators are trying to do is guide students to have the best experience possible. So if you're an administrator, like let's take your principal, um, who's who's putting on a graduation, you know how worked up sometimes principals can get yeah. about an event like a graduation. And we're like, this is easy. The yep. kids are over there. We're going to stand here. This is how this is. This is the timing. That's something I definitely have gotten way better at is figuring out how much time everything takes. I think people think I'm some sort of uh, Dr. Strange savant person because I'm like, it'll be about 25 minutes here and seven minutes <laughs> here. <laughs> and you can just break it all down. But I think those organizational skills that you're building every day by being on top of your your class and teaching and and traveling to all these magnificent events that we have across our nation, you are ready to take on a campus, a grade level, or even a few subjects kind of like we are now yeah. in the fine arts department. And it's easier than you think it is, but it doesn't mean that the quantity of things makes it, the quantity of things is what makes it hard. Yeah, um, and I, I remember when I was interviewing for my first corporate leadership uh, gig, the, the guy that was hiring me was like, don't you think it's weird that a middle school band director is going to run a multi-million dollar a year company? <laughs> and my my response to him, which I would say any music teacher that that is an ensemble director can say, is, uh, hey, if I can keep 85 kids in between the ages of 11 and 14 on task, on mission, <laughs> with noisemakers in their faces that they can That's disrupt right. everything at any time, I think I can get 10 people to work for me. So, you know what <laughs> I mean? Right. Like, it's That's just, right. uh, you know, we, we music teachers are are special people. That goes without saying. So what I'd love for you uh, to to do for us, Jaeger, because I have, I have the uh, privilege of traveling around the country and I've been to Round Rock quite a few times. And for people who are not from Texas, because I'm from New York and a, and a lot of our listeners are from all over the place, um, I need you to paint a picture of what Round Rock is like. I mean, what I don't think a lot of people know is that Austin and that Austin area is one of the fastest growing population areas in the country, if not the world. Um, mm -hmm. And Round Rock has experienced ridiculous growth, even in the in the short time that I've been working with you guys, maybe 10 years. 
Um, it, 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 so yeah, give us an idea of what, what is Round Rock ISD like? What, what is the student body made up? Is it rural, suburban, urban, that kind of thing? Paint a picture. Right, right. I think uh, the first thing that I will say is that when people think of Round Rock, Texas, I think they might think of a, a small suburb. Um, I will say, being from Houston, that this is a very drivable area between Austin, Round Rock, Leander, Pflugerville, all those folks. Mm -hmm. You could probably throw a rock and hit the next thing. Yep. So uh, it's important to understand that in Round Rock, because we straddle Austin, Texas, as well as Round Rock, Texas, is that our constituents, our, all of our, our community, is so diverse. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things people see with us is like, oh, okay, well, they probably have a very affluent area or whatever. We have all of it. And we have, if you want to take it political, we have the conservative, we have the liberal, we have it all. Right. And what's, what's I think, the most special about our district is the autonomy and the creativity that exists here because we're district innovation. And there's a lot of things that we're able to do independently on our campuses and within our own programs that maybe is dictated in other places by the school district. So the size of our school district, we were about 50,000 uh, students. I'm not really sure where we are now due to COVID and a bunch of the right. virtual learning things, but we have five high schools, uh, five comprehensive high schools. We have two others that are uh, alternative education places. And then you've got 11 middle schools and about 35 elementary schools. So it's a pretty big district um, for, for this area for sure, but not the biggest around. Um, I would say, it, all of our music programs, well, actually all of our campuses have band, orchestra, choir. Um, we have specialized programs like mariachi and harp um, that kind of enrich those experiences for kids. And I, I also think that the experience that kids are getting on campuses is so driven by what's coming, the future. We're very much about 21st century learning here in right. this district. So everything that we're gonna be talking about here with Music First or with technology and music education is very real. Um, we have some of the most innovative uh, practitioners, teachers, directors that you can think of in this state, I think, um, in the way that they approach. And just everybody that comes here has success on the mind and drive right. on the mind. It's not something that I have to push for, it's something that is innate to people who come here. That's, That's what I really enjoyed about it here. So why don't you tell us like how many music teachers are there and what is it like for you? What's your day to day? You know, what, what is your your typical day as a fine arts director entail? Well, we have about 100 music teachers, um, and that's that's talking about band, choir, and orchestra only at the secondary level. Um, we have a total of 350 arts teachers, so it's a pretty big district in that way. Um, but on the day to day, for us, a lot of the things that we're dealing with, well, I shouldn't say right now, but I'll, I'll say in, real, in the real world, um, it has to do with supporting the instruction. And that's what I've, I used to tell people, like, I am extremely lucky to be essentially an in-house clinician for all of our programs. So even if that's just being supportive uh, through a, like a, a mentorship or counseling or anything like that from a personal perspective, all the way to obviously take this bassoon player out and work with them for three hours or whatever. Actually, I was at one of our high schools yesterday at a marching rehearsal and I said, can I take these two soloists? So they have a, they have this solo in the middle of the ballad and this, I think I can do some things here. And it was just fun to be able to take them and work with them. And that's I think great. that's not, yeah, that's not common, I don't think. No. And, <laughs> and I think that's something we we do that we, we value it at a very high level. We never wanted to be, not, no one in our offices wanted to be 
a person behind a desk that's, you know, sending the email that says do this thing. We wanted to be boots on the ground type people. We want everybody to feel extremely valued. And we always like to honor our, our really talented colleagues, our, our talented teachers. So most of my day has to do with obviously solving problems and that can always happen. But most of my day is checking in on those classrooms and seeing what they need or if they need to, that's how we build our PD, what they'll need there. Or if a student needs something like access, we need instruments. And that's something else I will say we're very fortunate to have as, a, as an instrument allotment that we get every year to be able to supply very simple instrumentation, just like a trumpet or a, a clarinet, something that's usually rented that maybe we won't be able to afford. Um, so we try to get those types of things for them, but that's, that's great. Generally my job, we got a lion Healy donated today, like a harp. Wow. <laughs> so it's just things like that, that exist in our area because people are like you were saying, moving here and they value arts. But I will say this, this isn't the place where um, you have like the Houston symphony and that's the symphony in town. We have so many smaller groups like the Austin symphonic band, Cedar park winds and other, uh, burgeoning music uh, experiences that students can tap into and even adults can perform with like the Central Texas Philharmonic Orchestra um, that that continues to grow our musical uh, tapestry I guess that's a good word here in the Central Texas area it's it does, it's not about competition it's about the appreciation and development of music in this area oh, that that's really fabulous enjoy. so you're basically doing a little bit of everything um, everything right wow that's uh, and I, I don't mean this any in, in any negative way, but you seem a little bit younger than I am. Um, <laughs> no, how do how do all the teachers? You know, uh, I, I I that was always my fear when I was going to go into administration. Would how would older people react to me? I just wondered what. Oh man, <laughs> I've got a well. Um, I, I would say that I attribute most of my management with. Uh, people who are older than me to, like I said before, my mother, because she provides me a lot of perspective right. as she's older than me. But I also think just being around all of the people, um, I grew up in this, you know, both right. my parents were band directors. Oh, well. So um, my father passed when I was really young, but okay. my mom kept teaching and then she went on and, and was an administrator. So I was that kid on the couch during the horn sectional where my mom's just going after people. <laughs> right, so, right. It, so I kind of started to understand how to how to work with students, but then I also saw how the adults interacted and I stayed in that zone all the way, even now I still do that. So working with people who are, you know, twice my age to at my age or younger, it all has to do with building relationships, it's always to do with respect. And Absolutely. I, for me, it's being young and looking young. And I know we're not gonna, it's a podcast, so you're not gonna see me. <laughs> Like, I look like I'm 18 years old to some people. Um, and I think some of that is disarming. But for some people, it's very threatening, especially when I talk about things the way I talk about them. Well, um, anybody listening like, to this podcast, Jaeger, immediately is listening to you with a great deal of respect. So far, I mean, I, I really, uh, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of admiration for what you've done so far. And just the way you're speaking about music education in general, it's really encouraging. Um, and and really, that. you know, being thrown into a deep end, like a, a district the size of Round Rock. I mean, most districts here where I live in New York, if you have two high schools, that's big. Um, so yeah. to hear five plus two alternative and 11 middle schools, I think you said that, you know, it just, 
I think a lot of East Coast folks as well as West Coast folks have never seen a Texas band room, a Texas choir room, a Texas mm. string room. And I have. And when you go there, your eyes just as big as pie plates going, I can't believe how big these places are. <laughs> yeah, it's extraordinary. So I'm going to shift the conversation a little bit to the uh, the elephant in the room. And I've been asking everybody, but I haven't had the, the pleasure of asking a fine arts director. So March 2020 hits, you're you know, a mm -hmm. young supervisor of music in an, in an amazing school district and wham, um, you know, what happened and how did you get through it? I mean, you're probably still dealing with it now. Oh yeah, there's definitely still fallout from it. But I think the first thing that mattered to me was I need to take care of my people. And then if I take care of my people, they're gonna take care of the kids. So we had our check-ins every week. And at first we didn't have any sort of instructional understanding of what was gonna happen. I think that was everybody. We, there was right. no learning management system. There was no virtual anything. It was just, hey, we're done just for a second. Right, yep. And I think everybody was actually like, hmm, let's just be done. Right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but um, initially uh, the way Round Rock stepped into it is we had these pods that we had all virtual and then we went into pods. So we weren't able to do what we traditionally did with ensembles. So we might have groups of 10 or less that were meeting and they had to stay in that one place. They weren't able to bring their instruments. So, so much of our energy was put into social emotional learning right. um, during that during the initial stages of COVID. And then once, once we got into it a little bit, I think we started to see, okay, our teachers can start using creative uh, engagement. Maybe they'll sending in a tape, maybe, and we, everybody got their file, not FileMaker Pro, what do you call it? Um, Oh my gosh, Final Cut Pro yep. um, certification this year from um, all the splicing that they did for all the videos. And our teachers worked tirelessly to get these strangely, um, some were very Wes Anderson-like <laughs> filmmakers. <laughs> I was like, some of these are really good. Like right. you created a, a completely different experience. Some decided to do home recitals and have very intimate uh, concerts with those kids. We have an elementary string program that I oversee as well. And so that was something that they did. But a lot of the uh, focus was on community. And that's something that we still kind of focus on. It's harder because now everybody's in their own things. But everybody was really in concert. We came together and decided, here's our scope and sequence for middle schools. Here's what we're all trying to achieve by the semester. And here's how we're going to do it. Everybody had it all down. And we even did, uh, we consolidated our teaching. So we had some just doing um uh, maybe sixth grade saxophone or sixth grade single read instruction virtually right. that we're able to share it with the rest of the group. Um, so that's kind of how we started COVID. And then later on, we kind of, we utilized Upbeat Perform to do some of our end performances. It was just a little bit easier for us to combine uh, units that were everywhere because some people were virtual, some people were in person. And then uh, back to the SEL piece, we did a lot of leadership training, a lot of uh, cross campus, cross district um, events that engaged um, engaged our, our students. One of my favorite things is we, at the beginning of summer band, I believe it was, yeah, I believe it was this year uh, because we were still virtual or was it last year? I can't even remember anymore. <laughs> it's all so we, <laughs> yeah, they were, they got all these clinicians. We had an Omar Thomas. They had, oh, wow. um, they had Frank Kelly, not Frank Kelly. I'm sorry, Eric Whitaker. Oh, great. Um, we had we had all these A-listers. That's all I'm saying. Right. And we did that through our Texas Future Music Educators um, 
club. We also did it as a full band, like as, as the vans of Round Rock ISD were able to come and watch this seminar that we essentially put on. It was almost a symposium that students were able to get leadership, musicianship, all of these things with master classes added on uh, throughout the, I think it was a few days, it was three or four days. So it was really cool to see that collaboration. Um, and I will say that it has paid off because from taking off essentially music, music time, we were able to come back and replacing high in our marching contests. We have, we still have our Midwest groups that are going and we have a lot of our choirs right now are really excelling on individual contests for Texas Music Educators Association for their uh, track to Allstate. All so right. I'm really excited about all the things that are happening within our district in that way. Um, as a result of the collaboration in COVID-19, because we didn't have to, in, it didn't have to be like that. But right. again, I'll go back to the beginning. You got to take care of your people first. And if you take care of the talent, then they'll take care of the talented. So just- Oh, I love that. Think of it that. That is brilliant. You take care of the talent and they'll take care of the talented. I love it. I love it. Thanks. That, oh man, you got to, you got to- uh, copyright that real quick that is excellent um wow so you know are the, are you you know this school year august 2021 are you back in person are kids playing instruments singing what what are, what's going on now the climate changed just a bit we have a k-6 through virtual option so there are some that are in that virtual academy that had to enroll pretty early and then the rest um seven through twelve are in person and so the rift was at sixth grade, I was like, okay, so how are we going to capture these beginning band students? And, you know, right. for those who are outside of Texas, that might not be a have to have, you know, in, in the state of Texas, that's a mandatory situation. Right. Yep. Um, we have to start everything in sixth grade, but we're starting to learn that we're, we're going to be a little flexible there. We started a little bit of our seventh and eighth grade beginner classes, as well as freshman and sophomore beginner classes Oh wow. Um, to be able to catch kids up. But um, in general, we have most of our students are in person. Yes, our numbers dwindle just like anybody else's. Yep. But I think that has to do with exposure. And I've told people that many times, if they can't see it, they ain't going. Yep. So there's, there's so much that, that we've been impressing upon our teachers is just, it can be small, doesn't matter. It just needs to be present and out there. You can't just hide and go, okay, we want to be the biggest band later or the biggest orchestra, or biggest choir. But it has to end up being consistent and present so right now we are kind of functioning as normal high school is definitely very normal middle school is moving a hair slower but it's still functioning at a very high level right. where they're going to be ready for their uil contest or submitting for honor band or submitting for the midwest clinic um, wow. coming up so that's our normal things and they they still want those things and that's what's it's really it's really exciting yeah, I just wanted to just in, in kind of a, a way to translate for everyone outside of Texas, sixth grade is when instrumental instruction begins in um, and it's really big like that's, you know, that's mm -hmm. the, the sixth grade is the prime time to get these kids in the rest of like the East Coast, West Coast, that can be as young as fourth grade. Um, and, and where I taught in New Jersey, fourth grade, we taught recorder in third grade, and then they picked band strings in, um, in fourth grade. But in sixth, mm. sixth grade is where they do it in Texas. And anyone who thinks, wow, why do you start them so late? Just go and listen to any band out of middle <laughs> school. I don't think they miss out on anything. It's just they have the you guys have this just way of teaching that works. Um, every band I've ever heard in Texas ever uh, and every choir I've ever heard and every orchestra I've heard, 
just extraordinary. So uh, you guys are doing something right there. I just wanted to yeah, translate that because a lot of us would be like, what do you mean sixth grade? So yeah. now Jaeger, I want to, I want to bring the conversation to technology. Okay. Um, you know, obviously COVID kind of forced people into it, but I'd like your thoughts on imagining the, you know, post COVID world, pre COVID world, what you think the role of music technology is within the wider music program. I'll say what was the best thing, um, and you kind of mentioned it before back in 2014 when we started the Music First uh, subscription, we, I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for having <laughs> this right now, because we didn't have to train anybody on how right. to make this transition. The thing that we had to do the most was build the content yep. and do something that was uh, a little bit more to the speed that we needed, like the dosing, I guess, would be the best way to say that. I like that, yeah. So the the way that we utilize technology did evolve i think from using it as a straight you know like something very simple as it has to be this or that i think that's the scariest thing with technology i think people don't utilize it as a tool so much they think of it as an all-inclusive solution and that's not right. always how it works right and and i think we see a lot more of that we were starting to step into obviously we've done music first we were stepping deeper into it and utilizing things like soundtrap that's it's also another uh another software application inside of there. Yep. And then we use a lot more um, of uh, practice first and actually Aurelia Musician really helped out, yeah. not just from a theory standpoint or whatever. We, we wrote the students last year when we were all virtual, uh, the directors decided to for some of them to write their etudes or write a composition. And there were a lot of compositional studies. So Note Flight and all those different applications within Music First really aided in that, whereas maybe practice first was the only thing that was primarily utilized right. because it's it's a tick sheet. It's easy right. to it's a it's a test. So I think there's there's still that creativity that had to be forced. I will say it was kind of yeah. No, I get it. You, the people had to figure out what on earth am I going to do? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do I fill this time again? <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how it started, and then it kind of it kind of kept evolving where we're using technology more for student independence and student growth um, where I think it needs to be anyway. And I, I kind of hope that as we continue to evolve through COVID-19 and all these things, and I suggested, you know, why don't you, why aren't you doing your sectionals via music first, upbeat, smart music? Why aren't you doing that? Right. You should do it that way. You're going to yep. save yourself some time and the students will gain practice habits uh, on an independent basis. But I will say right now, everybody, this is just my observation, is very hands-on because they haven't been able to do it. So they're very passionate about being in control of their own destiny. So there's Oh, this, I totally, I mean, I sympathize yeah. completely. If I had spent 19 months, you know, in a virtual world or, or, or having a foot in the real and the virtual, I'd be doing as much you know, hands-on kind of old school stuff as I possibly mm -hmm. could. And, you know, the thing that, uh, and, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it, Jaeger, that you've been, we've been, Round Rock's been using uh, our, our platform for seven years. I didn't invent music first and put the whole thing together for COVID. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> it was meant to be a supplement um, to a, any music program. So that, you know, when I was a teacher, um, the phrase, uh, oh, I've got plenty of time, never crossed my lips. You know, mm -hmm. it was it was this 
I looked at technology for me as a band director to be, I never used it during a rehearsal. I would use it as a, as a supplement, um, mm -hmm. whether it's during lessons. Um, but they, the whole concept of Music First, the reason I, I basically put everything together was to expand the classroom so that kids could do stuff at home when they weren't with you. Yes. So that it's like keeping that learning, engaging learning going when they're not with you, as well as just a really easy way to collect assessment data, which a lot of you know districts, no matter where you are, kind of want. So it, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's interesting to hear you um, kind of uh, say that. Um, and, and now in a post-COVID world, you know, I don't want to, people to think, well, I don't need music first anymore. It's we had nothing to do. It, it just so happened when COVID happened. I went, yeah, we have something that might really help these folks out. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think that as long as you're using it as a tool, taking away the administrivia of teaching and focusing more on uh, the kids, focusing more mm -hmm. on music making and letting the technology do this stuff when the kids are not in your face. Um, that's what I'm hoping uh, happens. Uh, down the road, we go back to that because it's it's been a very strange uh, <laughs> uh, 19 months. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Right. So um, your your marching bands are out there on the field. Your choirs are singing and, and yes, thing, life is pretty much back to normal. Kind of normal, kind of normal. There's right. there's still some spacing and there's still some participation, you know, disparities. But I think overall, um, the thing that I, that I, you know, our goal is to take all of our groups to UIL and that's the University of Classic League. It's very similar to any sort of concert setting that maybe you get evaluated on. That's, that's our evaluation system here. And I think a lot of the things that we didn't do, which was a ton, we didn't have, but maybe two or three groups get evaluated last year because no one was in school. <laughs> so yep. this year is is kind of a all hands on deck. We need to make sure that we're ready because we want to keep up the tradition of excellence in our district. And I mean, I think what I've seen so far, because I also adjudicate, as I mentioned before, is I don't know that we've lost a step. I actually think in a lot of ways we have evolved our understanding of instruction and the efficiency yep. of our instruction. Um, I'll use Ultimate Drillbook as an example. That in itself is a tool that does allow you to work faster on the field but it's not necessarily about teacher to student. I think that's the difference with technology. People want to manhandle it or, or be the administrator of it. Right. But students are way ahead of us on this. And I think if we allow them to be have more ownership, which I see that in the Round Rock High School band right now, there's a lot of ownership in them learning their own drill, learning their own parts, getting their own things together, um, that it's, it, it's going to allow the performance to be more meaningful to a student rather than it being taught to them as an instruction. Yep. So I, it, like the creativity and the musicianship that we strive for can be achieved with the independence of technology. I think sometimes people might think that it kind of shuts down that, that element, but if you have uh, a good, a good facilitating habits um, and a setup, you'll be just fine. And I think that's kind of where we are right now with yeah. so much of our, so, so many of our, our, uh, programs not having participated in, in traditional sense last year. Yeah, and I'm hoping, um, Jaeger, I'm, I'm sure you noticed in the TMEA audition site this year was uh, was music first. So I'm hoping yes. some of these, I'm so, some of your some of your students were like, hey, I know exactly what yes. I'm doing. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> 
That's fabulous. All right, so um, two more questions for you. I really appreciate the time. I'm sure you've got a concert to go to this evening or, or something else. So um, yeah, what actually. advice, <laughs> I know, what advice would you give to other music teachers or other fine arts directors who are thinking of incorporating music technology into their program post COVID, like just mm. in general, rather than a, you know, a, a kind of a program saver, but instead thinking of it, you know, for what it can do. I mean, this, since this is obviously not a promo, I, what I'm going to say is you need to start small and concentrated and think about how you're going to utilize it. I think one yep. of the mistakes that we've even made is trying to broadly deploy a technology initiative and not, well, we provide training, obviously, right. but it's not enough because, right. you know, just like anybody, there's still got to be differentiated instruction for that, that fits that person's learning style. So yeah. um, I would say take some go-getters who are already, maybe take two types. Maybe you take a high achieving director. If I'm, I'm, this is an administrative perspective, a high achieving director and a, a, a director that needs some, some more tools and some more growth opportunities, but still has a good attitude now. And you, you put something together that is the same and you use them too as mentors to kind of work towards that so there you have uh, an excellent teacher who's helping maybe a struggling teacher as well and they're learning the same technology so there's at least something that's equal on a playing yeah. uh, equal playing or equal footing um, that we saw that growth um, with uh, what was that piece of technology it might have been soundtrap actually that we did right. that with we, we started really small and I, we saw some folks really get into it and some use it in extremely creative ways, but it hasn't gone away. So that's the good news. But the second thing is, from a director's perspective, don't think of it as a solution. Think of it as a tool, kind of like you were saying earlier. I think when people buy, I'll use a Harmony Director as a great example. Harmony Director is a, is a keyboard that essentially has a lot of ways to work on intonation and tone um, within your ensemble. And I think sometimes when people buy an element like that, a piece of hardware like that, they go, okay, the intonation problem will be fixed now. Just like a tuner, like tonal energy. Well, everybody has tonal energy on their stands. Everybody's in tune. No, that's not true. Right. You still have to actually guide and facilitate the understanding and the expectation of the use of that, that tool and practically use it. Don't try to force it. You're going to hate it in the end. So that's kind of like the general thoughts that I have about, no, it's... Uh, you know, but I think there, there are so many things that if I could go back and tell myself like, I remember when I was working at Westwood High School the first time I go, oh, I hate charms. Like I literally thought right. about that to myself and I go, I actually really need something like that. Right, exactly. <laughs> As I've gone exactly. along. So it's just things like that um, take time and please, 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 please be patient yep. with your own learning curve. And yeah, I, I couldn't curve. agree more. And um, I think the idea of having lead teachers or you know teachers helping teachers having a couple of teachers really know i mean we we train thousands of teachers a year and i know because i do a lot of the trainings myself if i've got 20 teachers in there there are about three i don't mm. I, this is not universal but let's say there's about three in there that are listening to every word i'm saying they're shaking their head they're taking notes and there's about 17 going what's for lunch so, <laughs> um you know having those um you know, because I, I have a brand on my chest um, when I'm doing the training, if they see it's a colleague showing them how to do it, it it's a whole different thing. I, I really like that idea of uh, of getting, um, you know, some of your staff members. Um, that, that's a great, great idea. 
So the last question, and, and I'm always fearful to ask, but I have to, which is the magic wand question. If there was something about music first or technology in general that you could change, like just go poof and it does what you want it to do, what would it be? Mm. There's a million things that I want it to do. Um, <laughs> That's great. But I think I, I would say most critically, because we have a generation of students who are used to this sort of technology, and I will add, that this is the age of customization. And I don't know that everybody recognizes it that way, but this is the age of customization, not just of like car parts and things, but of your life. Everybody Absolutely. wants it exactly how they want it. So wouldn't you think that a kid wants to practice the way that they want to practice? So when you deploy something like, okay, you, you still have to play this section of Till and Spiegel, okay? But instead of working just on that excerpt, maybe there's at least a way that you can build in, just like you would for a workout regimen, maybe like Orange Theory Fitness Style, where it says, here are the things that you probably need to work on based on your nutritional whatever goals. Well, what are your playing goals and how do we assess that at the very beginning? I wish there was a way in practice first that, that maybe it even measured, here's your progress bar on articulation through this phrase, tone through this phrase, intonation through this phrase. So a student can take that feedback and go, okay, I need to work more on my articulation because that's some of the things that we talk about in bands and orchestras and choirs around very simple things, you know, taller vowels, firmer articulation on this note, make sure there's a, a down bow here, like those types of things could save us more time and but also provide more customization to the student when they're at home in creating their own practice schedules or practice um, uh, regimens, because that's something I struggled with. I was the kid first, like I've mentioned before, when you have a band director as a mom, she's always asking, what'd you practice? <laughs> As for details. And, you know, we had those practice records when we were, when I was younger, at least we had those. If we could customize a practice record where the kid literally chose click drag and said, this is what I'm going to be doing. And now here's the assessment of what I said I was going to do. That's easy. And you all, all you have to do is, mm. is, is let the kid manage it. If they didn't turn it in, they didn't turn it in but they're going to probably want to have control over what they decide to practice. Just, but because there's an assessment, you'll be able to respond to their assessment instead of saying, well, you didn't practice what I asked you to. So right, that's right, just right. maybe my, my general. I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to give you a call over the summer. Maybe we'll have you come <laughs> out to me. We need uh, that. That's brilliant. Um, because every, Thanks. every kid practices what they know rather than what they don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, right. all, I remember in college, I would always uh, practice the stuff I knew I was good at. <laughs> yes. uh, every yeah, every day, yeah. every day, same thing. Absolutely, <laughs> no, that's brilliant. I, I really, uh, I think that's great. Well, I will follow up with you, Jaeger. It's been oh, uh, awesome. absolute pleasure chatting with you. I'm sure that um, the the listeners are are as impressed as I am with you and the program at Round Rock. Um, folks, if you're ever out in Texas, um, if you're ever out at TMEA, the big conference around always around uh, Valentine's Day. I'll be there this mm -hmm. year, Jaeger, uh, in Excellent. San Antonio. Um, first conference in a long time. Um, and But if you're ever in that Texas area, I urge you to reach out to folks like Jaeger, find who the band directors are, go in, see a choir, hear them, go, go and see a, a mariachi uh, orchestra playing. Uh, you guys are doing great stuff in Round Rock. And uh, thank you. And, thank and you. the other thing is, if you're ever in Round Rock, make sure you go to Salt Lick, which is one of my favorite. Yes. <laughs> I know there yeah. are multiples, but I love the one in Round Rock. Anyway, thanks so much, Jaeger. Really great speaking with you. And I hope you have a, a really, you have a super bright career ahead of you, but I hope you have a great school year as well. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jim. You're welcome. Really, Take really care. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.